Blog Talk Radio. Larry Lack Henderson 
from Brooklyn, giving you a little education through rap. He says you can, we, I believe it was KRS-One that says that music or rap can do harm and it can do good. So it's a matter of how we choose to use it. And this is Larry Lack Henderson putting his spin on education. We are the original man. Yes, we are. The one and only. There was none before us. There will be none after us because we are it, and it can never be changed in history that is past or in our future. Our show today is going to be titled, or is titled, Katrina, March on Washington, Watts and Baltimore riots. What have we learned and who speaks for us? Very important. If you'd like to call into the show, you can dial 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. We'd love to hear from you. We apologize for being a little late on the air today. Uh, my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas, is out and about doing her thing. So you got yours truly, Rodney Smith, in the air chair all by himself. So I'd love to have a little company. Uh, tell you a little bit about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the cultural and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And one of the ways we do it is shows like Our Own Voices Live and, of course, Our Own Voices, the print digital magazine. And we're all over social media with Our Own Voices on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, we even have us at Our Own Voices Periscope channel. Haven't broke that in yet, but that will happen before too much time goes by. But in the meantime and in between time, you have me right here today. Normally at 12.30 until 2 p.m. on the West Coast, that would be 3.30 to 5 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast. We're going to have a slightly abbreviated show today because I have to admit yours truly is a little underweather. But I still thought it was important to bring it here for our dedicated listeners really all over the world, especially those folks in, well, let's Detroit, Baltimore, you know, Maryland. We have, we have folks listening to us. Uh, you know Nevada and Las Vegas where I am, uh, Chicago, Chi-Town, and in Little Rock, Texas. That's right. Oh, excuse me, Little Rock, Arkansas, and some folks in Texas. So we are, and other places. And, you know, when you guys uh, text or call in, you know, put a little mark next to it on where you're from because I love acknowledging you on the air when you do call in. And sometimes when you just listen in, when you communicate to us uh, with Facebook and other social media outlets. You know, today, this, this week, as most weeks, has been an historic week with the loss of some major folks that have done big things. And many of you know this year we celebrated the 50th year anniversary Selma riots, or excuse me, the, the march in Selma, Alabama. Some people call it a riot. It's known, I won't say affectionately, but it's known 
uh, abbreviated as Bloody Sunday. And, you know, we normally associate Bloody Sunday with the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and his march, his speeches, and rightfully so. But sometimes there's a catalyst. There's someone that pushes the envelope, gets your attention, brings you to a particular place that maybe you wouldn't have gone to on your own. And even though we talk about the uh, Selma, Alabama, we don't even have to say much else after that or just plain Selma as in the movie, there was someone who was instrumental in bringing Dr. King to Selma, Alabama. And that someone was a civil rights activist, Amelia Boynton Robinson. And for some reason, I've always known her as Mrs. Boynton, but her first name is actually Amelia, Amelia Boynton Robinson. And she passed away this week at 104 years old. Now, we, we can easily ravel off the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but the person who is responsible for him come into Selma, or is attributed to that, is Amelia Boynton Robinson. Uh, she was the first uh, African-American woman to run for Congress in Alabama. But maybe we don't know as much about her as we can. So there you have it. You have her name, Amelia Boynton Robinson, 104, civil rights activist responsible for helping organize and bringing Dr. King to Selma, Alabama, which ultimately led to Bloody Sunday. I wanted to mention her name because the title of our show today and because she's no longer with us. Now, we know that we lost a basketball great uh, this week. Uh, Daryl Dawkins, eight years old. Daryl Dawkins. Some people call him Chocolate Thunder. <laughs> I knew him as Dr. Duncanstein. First person that I know of to shatter not just a rim, but the whole backboard. And then after that, was known to bring him down because they changed the design. Well, Daryl Dawkins passed away this week. So for many of you sports, I'm sure that uh, rang a bell. But I wanted to talk, and, and we should recognize Daryl Dawkins' uniqueness, drafted right out of high school. But I wanted to focus on Amelia Boynton, who was 104 years old, who was beaten badly. We often think about uh, Congressman Lewis as beaten badly from the Bloody Sunday and so. And he was. But Mrs. Boynton was also beaten into unconsciousness. She went on and lived to be 104 years old. When President Obama did a sort of historic reenactment of the march on the Pettus Bridge, the lady in the wheelchair next to him was Mrs. Boynton. 
and I know for her, or, or at least I can try to imagine for her what it must have been like to march across that same bridge that she had marched across 50 years previous, but this time with a black man who was the president of the United States. Though that one act didn't single-handedly bring about the first black president of the United States, it was a large contributor because it helped shed a light on some things that was going on in our country, both nationally and internationally. Can you imagine how much joy she must have had? Her work hadn't gone in vain. And thought of the show today because I wondered who is carrying on the legacy of folks like Amelia Boynton Robinson, who's passed away this week at 104 years of age. I wanted, I wanted, I want us to know her name. You know, when Sandra Bland was found dead in the Texas cell, there's a hashtag, say her name. And I remember when I saw that hashtag, I remembered how many other names should we know and should we then say? And if we don't know it, why should anyone else know it? If we don't show care and concern for it, then why should anyone else? And as, a, as I speak of Amelia Boynton Robinson, say her name, as I speak of her, 104 years old, helped organize March in Selma, Alabama over the Pettus Bridge. There was another event that had an anniversary yesterday, 10th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. And that, again, that was also this week. And we know that in Hurricane Katrina, there was a large loss of life. We know that blacks weren't treated like many thought they should be treated. And it's probably true. We've had the Watts riot in 1965. We had the March on Washington in 1963. We had the Baltimore riots. In 1968 and more recently But how much of it do you remember And what have we learned from it How much of it do you remember And what have we learned from it What's changed Since any of those things How much different are we What improvement Has there been You know On August 28, 2005, Katrina hit. Now, the storm formed on the 23rd, and it basically changed into a tropical storm on the 31st. So 10 years ago, Katrina was still going on, and the suffering really had just begun. And there was a loss of life. When we think about the Watts riot, there was a loss of life. 
the Baltimore riot in 68. It was a loss of life. And in each one of these, there's usually a loss of life or someone hurt. And as I thought about the legacy of Amelia Boynton Robinson, who passed away this week, the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Hurricane Katrina, and yesterday, August 28th, being the 52nd anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. I noticed that I didn't hear much about Amelia Boynton Robinson, though there was some. And I didn't hear much, actually, I didn't hear anything about the 52nd anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. And that was, many of you know, when Dr. King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech. Now, he had given that speech before, but not in front of as many on August 28th. 1963. And again, who is building on that legacy of folks like Dr. King and Mrs. Boynton? Is it you? Is it your organization? Who's making a difference like SNCC, which is where John Lewis had come from? You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago we lost uh, Julian Bond who was also a member of SNCC, who, who's, who is it now that has that stature, that's making that type of difference? You know, of, of, the, of the big five from the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, I believe we have John Lewis, and of those who were there, we have Andy Young, Andrew Young. They're leaving us, partying, they're transitioning. And as they're departing and as they're transitioning, like Amelia Boynton Robinson departed and transitioned this week, who is, who is continuing that legacy? Who is building on that legacy? It's as if they laid the foundation. Now that the foundation has been laid, then there's somebody who's supposed to put up the framing. Well, who who is that? And then going to our title of the show today, I, I titled it Katrina, March on Washington, Watts, and Baltimore Riots. What have we learned and who speaks for us? I titled it that way as a question because those things are in the past and we're obviously in the present looking to the future. And so what have we learned from all of those experiences. I don't know what the answer is. And maybe the way that we'll learn what the answer is is as times pass. But there was another part of the title that I said, what have we learned? But the last part was who speaks for us? Who speaks for us? I noticed in the Black Lives Matter, there was no specific leader to point to. When it came to our community, there were people who spoke up for the Black Lives Matter movement, but then it begged the question, were they really part of the Black Lives Movement? Or were they people who rose up 
at a particular time, and sometimes, it, often it is the times that bring about the rise of people and organizations. And then it just made me think in a larger, uh, looking at it from a larger point of view, is who does speak for us? Is it the politician? And should it be the politician? Is it the pastor, the imam, the rabbi? The, is, is it the father? Is it the mother and father in, in the home? Is it the local NAACP leader? Is it the urban league leader? Who is it that speaks for us? Is it anyone who grabs the microphone and says that they're speaking for us? And then whoever that it is, whomever that it is that's speaking for us, what are they saying for us? This is a critically important question. Because if we have no one speaking for us, we have no voice. If everyone, including ourselves, is speaking for us, then it's almost the same as having no voice because whatever message that there may have been, it gets lost amongst many. Do we select who speaks for us? Does the media select who speaks for us? Does the moment select who speaks for us? Who speaks for us? And then whomever that is, what are they saying for us? Whose responsibility is it to speak for our needs? They show may not be to make a statement. It really is to ask the question. And that is, who speaks for us? I believe that there are a lot of organizations, but each one of those organizations sort of have their own peak and their, their own purpose. And sometimes maybe there is a little bit of conflict between those organizations is not necessarily bad. But ultimately, there has to be some coalescing of the messages that deal with us. Otherwise, there'll just be a bunch of talking with no cohesive message, nothing that we can latch on to. You know, oftentimes they say, well, if you say too much, then no one will know what to do. No one will know what you're really saying. That's why the messaging has to be tight. If you look at most, the civil rights movement had basically, we wanted the right to vote. We wanted the right to freely and publicly assemble in mass. We wanted the right to have upward mobility. We wanted housing equity rights. You know, these are tangible things. We no longer wanted the so-called separate but equal when it came to education because we knew that it was not equal, but it sure enough was separate. So there were tangible things, but today in 2015, on August 29th at 1.25 p.m., what is the message from the African-American community? Now, when I say what is the message from the African-American community, I'm not talking about what is the union message. I'm not even talking about what is the political message. I'm not talking about what is the Black Lives Matter message. I'm asking what is the message or messages, and who is it that will deliver those messages? When Amelia 
Boynton Robinson called Dr. King to Alabama. She knew what the end result she desired. And there was a plan to bring about that result. And it was a plan that was being replicated throughout the nation. Now, I'm not saying that there was total agreement between all the leaders back then. And it's not about then versus now, even though there is some comparing and contrasting. But ultimately, it comes down to we know what works, and we know what's worked since then. Our LGBT folks locally here in Las Vegas constantly remind us of how successful they have been using the model of the civil rights movement with some tweaks. And, yes, I'm going to keep saying that they're using the model of the civil rights movement because that is what they initially said. And I don't want our struggle, our struggle, to be co-opted by others. Now, there were others who benefited from our struggle, and there always has been other people who have benefited, but the black community has not always benefited from those things that have improved others. So I'm talking specifically about the African-American, the black person, who speaks for us. Who do we want to speak for us? What is the messaging? What have we learned from the March on Washington in 1963 that was organized and coalesced different organizations and they settled on messages? Though they may not have all been enthusiastic about the messages, but they did settle on the messages that were being given. They had an item, a list of items, demands that they wanted. Where's our list of demands today? And this list was something that spread across the nation. It was not, and by no means, was it not not universally agreed upon. But for those people who were out there in the forefront, they did agree on it for that day, for that moment, and then they kept repeating it until everything on that list legally or close to it has been achieved. But see, just getting the laws changed is not enough. Ultimately, it is people who enforce and enact those laws. We have to go further. Amelia Boynton Robinson passed away this week at 104 years old. It's been 52 years since the March on Washington Jobs and Freedom. It's been 10 years since Hurricane Katrina. We've had the Watts riots. We've had the Baltimore riots recently. We've had the St. Louis riots. And a lot of it today is for the same thing that it was 10, 40, 50 years ago. What have we learned? And who speaks for us? You've been listening to Our Own Voices Live. I'm your host, Rodney Smith. The title of our show today was Katrina, March on Washington, Watson, Baltimore riots. What have we learned and who speaks for us? Talked about Amelia Boynton Robinson, civil rights 
activist and leader who transitioned in life this week at 104 years old, responsible for bringing Dr. King to Selma, Alabama and organizing it. As John Lewis was brutally beaten crossing the Pettus Bridge during that same march on Bloody Sunday, so was Amelia Boynton Robinson. They had a clear message that they wanted to deliver. They had clear demand. During the March on Washington in 1963, the Big Five, representing many people, they had a clear message that they wanted to deliver. This is 2015. What is our message? And who speaks for us? We'll be back next Saturday on the West Coast, 3.30 p.m. for those of you back east. I look forward to you joining us. You can reach us at Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and Our Own Voices on Twitter. We would love to hear some feedback of the show. And if you can answer the question, what have we learned and who speaks for us? Let's continue the discussion. I think it's a discussion that there's no better time to have it than right now as we prepare for the 2016 election. Because there's so many things have changed. Many have remained the same. And if we want substantial and sustained change, we will have to do some of the things that we did in the past, but maybe more of it. And sometimes we may have to tweak it for greater sustainability because most of those things have lasted for 50 years but are being dismantled now. Look, we have to stop. We have to stop the dismantling of what was built by people like Amelia Boynton Robinson. And then we have to create sustainability. And I would say that it is not for those who built the foundation. It is for those who should use the next step, and that's doing the framing. That should build on the legacy of folks like Amelia Boynton Robinson. Amelia Boynton Robinson. Remember. <laughs>